Happy Friday. Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Jay Zawoski. Part two of my interview with the Athletics, Mark Lazarus, coming up on this episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Lots of discussion about Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, Kirby Dock, Brent Seabrook, and a whole lot more, so you're not going to want to miss it. First, want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast. Remember, the next episode of Lockdown Blackhawks will be Talk Back Tuesday, so get those questions in. LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. Voicemail 708-653-0572. Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. You can follow my personal account at Jayzawaski670 and the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast at Madhouse Pod. Without further ado, let's get right to our interview with the Athletics' Mark Lazarus. We started talking about their Blackhawks fan survey yesterday, and there's still more to go. Ended the show yesterday talking about Jeremy Cowton as head coach. The next question on the poll that got my attention, how confident are you in Jonathan Taves as a number one center the next few years? And I'm going to be honest, before you give these results, Mark, this one surprised me a little bit. I was surprised by this response a little bit. I probably I, I, I that was one of my questions. Me and Scott combined on this. That was one of my questions. I probably should have been more specific than few years because you can <laughs> kind of make that any way you wanted to. But uh, the numbers three. were positive. The positives were uh, well, yeah, I agree with that. But everyone can just mal- it's malleable. Uh, a full five was twenty seven percent. Four was thirty seven percent. Three was twenty five percent. Two and one were combined at just ten percent. So people are still very high on Jonathan Taves. And if you watched in the last two years, there's no reason not to be. I agree with you, but anecdotally, I had sort of felt the Taves love slipping a little bit. And, you know, so now it would be three years ago, we had a couple bad years in a row, and bad by Jonathan Taves standards, whatever, and these two bounce-back seasons he's had, I think some people have regained some faith in him. But I'm surprised that that five and four were the two highest results. I'm pretty confident he's got a year or two left, is a number one center, but I think when I took this poll, I probably answered three on this one. But I don't. It doesn't scare me because I think that Doc and or Strom can jump into that role. And look, when that point comes, if in three years Jonathan Taves is not a number one center anymore, guess what? You still have three number two centers, which is pretty damn good. I think you have to. There's there you're you're talking to if you if you pose this question to general hockey fans or general hockey pundits the numbers would look very different. I think that there's always going to be some some blind homer blindness which is perfectly valid. I mean John who who could ever be mad at Jonathan Taves if you're a Blackhawks fan? He's done all he's done for you. Yes. Um, I I, I think I think there's a sense outside of Chicago and I, I you know that. When the decline comes for Taves, it's going to be precipitous. It's going to be kind of like what Seabrook saw because the miles on him are so hard. He plays such a heavy game, and he's not a huge guy. I mean, he's in great shape, uh, but he's not a big, huge dude. But he plays a big, huge dude, power forward, working in the corners, behind the net kind of game. Whereas Patrick Kane never gets hit. Like when he gets hit, it's like it's a news story. Oh, my God, someone (laughs) checked Patrick Kane. He's going to be able to play till he's 42. Jonathan Taves gets he's, – he's, he's like a center in the NBA. He's getting beaten up on every single possession. So I think there's a sense that all he's – the amount of games he's logged with the playoffs, even with the international play, that when the fall comes, it's going to be hard. I used to say that about Nicholas Jalmerson. Like he's going to be – he's going to flame out spectacularly because the way he plays is unsustainable. He's proven me wrong so far. 
so, you know, like I said, these guys are in better, better shape every every year we move on. These guys are are figuring out ways to stay in better shape. So the the conventional wisdom of 10 years ago doesn't necessarily apply to players right now. Yep. Taves is the same age as Kane. They're like three months apart, four months apart. So if we think that Kane can play to 40, well, maybe Taves can play really well to 35, 36. It's, it's not inconceivable. Sidney Crosby's doing it. He plays a heavy game. He's, he works hard. He plays defense. Uh, so why not Jonathan Taves? He's not going to produce 100 points a season, but he could still play. If he's still that 65, 70-point guy a year, still playing uh, good defense. And now granted, he has sacrificed the defense a little bit the last couple of years because they've needed him to be more offensive-minded. Uh, he could be your number one center. Not, not every number one center is Wayne Gretzky. Let's not forget that. And Taves has never been that guy. Well, and I think potentially reducing the defensive load on him could extend his number one center status for a little while longer, too. If you're not asking him to go you know, check the top line of the, of the opponent night after night after night, that's probably going to buy and you kill some penalties. T- I exactly. mean, he has a heavy, heavy. He, he carries an incredibly heavy load. He's he's the linchpin. You take Patrick Kane out of the lineup, and you can still score goals. You take Jonathan Taves out of the lineup, the whole house of cards falls. No, no doubt about that. And speaking of that, someone that was not in the fan survey, Duncan Keith, who I sort of predicted, like you said about Taves, like oh, when that when that when the fall starts, it's going to be quick. See, I, I've always thought the opposite with him. I think he's going to live forever. He's, he's yeah. Chris Chelios. It hasn't happened yet, has it? And it's so funny you say Chelios because I was thinking about that the other day. Someone asked me, like, what was the most painful trade? And and that, to me, was the one because it was like, well, this hurts a little bit, but he is 36. Then he went on to play another 100 <laughs> years in Detroit. And it's like, what the hell? God, that was the end of his career, I thought. Keith is the same way. And – you mentioned. I remember. I remember a couple of years ago, Keith. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, you're good. A couple of years ago, uh, Keith was doing a. There was like, there was like a handful of us in, in in a scrum with him after a practice or something, and he just casually mentioned, you know, I want to play till I'm 45. And I remember some radio guys or some some people that were some the local people that are, that aren't at aren't at every game, aren't at every practice, don't know the players as well as we do, kind of chuckled at it. And Keith like just stared daggers into them and it was so funny to me because i'm like yeah if anyone's gonna do it it's gonna be this guy he is a freak of nature he's always been a freak of nature he's 36 or whatever he is now he's still the best fit most fit guy on the team he is fanatical about nutrition he's fanatical about sleep he's fanatical about working out he is a cyborg he is not a human being and if anyone 45 might be pushing it but i see no reason why duncan keith won't be playing he doesn't this is what he does he is hockey this is his life and I see no reason why he couldn't be playing 41, 42 years old. The contract's up when he's 40. And he's making only He'll five. He'll be good and at the end of that contract. Absolutely. He'll still be good. And he's only making five and a half. I mean, only. But he's really, he's only making five and a yeah. half million dollars on his deal. And that's about what he is now. He's a five and a half million dollar defenseman. He's not an eight million dollar defenseman. He used to be a $10 million defenseman. He's about a five and a half. He's a number two. Def- he's a really good number two and a low end number one right now. I can't believe they got that deal done with him. <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's illegal now for a reason <laughs> yes but my god to have him at five and a half for that long is incredible that's and how that, you win Stanley Cups absolutely and see that I don't want I don't want to get back into the Bowman thing well for another time <laughs> my guest here on Lockdown Blackhawks is Mark Lazarus of The Athletic we are continuing to discuss their fan survey that ran earlier this week check out the results at The Athletic and if you're not a subscriber for god's sakes Fix it. Subscribe. It's dirt cheap. Okay, how confident are you in Patrick Kane's ability to keep producing at an elite level? Not a surprise here. Uh, Well over 60% at a five. And I keep saying it, 
I watched uh, a bunch of the games from 2010. You know, the replays, the Blackhawks classics they're showing on NBC Sports Chicago. Patrick Kane is better now. He's a better player oh, right no now question. than he was then. No question. It's it's no question. amazing. And I think a lot of us just assume like, oh, well, you know, they were winning cups and they were all better then. No. Watch Patrick Kane now versus then. He is a much better, much more complete player. And the numbers are better. He is the best player he's ever been right now. He was a passer back then. That's all he did. Yeah. He wasn't a he was a playmaker. Now he's a sniper and a playmaker. He's the best passer on the team. He's the best shooter on the team. I mean, he's he is no, he's 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 he has gotten better. I mean, he 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 had his best production year in uh, in, in the Hart Trophy season, well, twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen, because he had Panarin. But he is the best he's ever. He's gotten he's been better every single year going forward. The other thing about him is, unlike a lot of elite players, there's nothing that's. Like, Host is kind of the same way. Kane's game is not built on speed. He's not a, he's not Pavel Bure where he just blows past you and nope. scores. He's kind of a deliberate skater anyway. He doesn't have a lot. He When he needs it, he has it. But his game is more standing still, controlling the puck, controlling the boards, all those things. As he ages out, that's not going to change. So there's not going to be that, well, you know, he lost that step that he had. That's not yeah. really a factor for him. You talk about Keith playing into his forties. Kane's going to do the same thing. I have very little doubt about. Yeah, it. what what Keith does, what Keith does so well is he conserves energy. There's reason that he can still play twenty six minutes a night. It's because he doesn't. You know, remember when Vinny Hinnestroza first came up and he just was skating like his hair was on fire Who all the time and he was bad. And then he went down to Rockford and he realized, oh, I only have to do that sometimes. He came back up and he was pretty good. That's what Duncan Keith does. He doesn't. He he knows when he has to turn it on. But he doesn't turn it on all the time. And Patrick Kane's the same way. He conserves energy. There's a reason he can play a two-minute full power play and then stay on the ice for a full shift after that because he is not on the afterburners at all times. He conserves energy and plays smarter than anybody else out there. Here's a question I would like to ask some Blackhawks over a beer sometime. Is it difficult to play on a line with Patrick Kane? I would imagine... You don't have to have a beer with them. They say it all the time. Yeah, it's... it's it's unpredictable. He's an unpredictable player, and I, I feel like if I, you know, I, I might still get my chance here at 42, but in case it never comes, I'll just imagine in the NHL when I get there, I would just stand on the ice with my stick on the ice and just hope he hits it because that's really kind of all you can do. Well, that's why Artem Isimov was a good center for him because the, the thing about playing with Kane is he is basically the center when you're on offense. Right. He's controlling the puck. He's carrying it through. He is dictating everything so for a lot of centers that's hard to adapt to because that's usually your job artem nisimov loved it because that was his least favorite part of the game was carrying the puck <laughs> so he would just go all right you take it i'll just wall- waltz into the, the 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 crease area here and hope you bounce a puck in off of me and it works great and that's why nisimov didn't work in any other role with the blackhawks that's what he was good at uh, it, it takes a certain kind of player to play with kane because you have to kind of subsume yourself a little bit as a center you can't just control the game the way you've always controlled the game you have to let the right wing control the game, and it's really a foreign concept to a lot of guys. It's difficult. Everyone always says, "Oh, it's so he makes it so easy because he's and yeah, he's a great player." But it's not easy to play with him. You have to completely change the way you play to do it. Everyone's willing to do it because they're going to score a shit ton of points, but they're you know, it's not easy to do. All right, I've got two more questions for you from the fan survey results, and then one uh, bigger picture question for you. So. Uh, the next two questions from the fan survey. How confident are you that Kirby Doc will become a star player? You got those numbers for me? Uh, 
Yeah, it was uh, four was the winner. It was 47% were at four. Five was 16%, three at 31%. Uh, hardly anybody at one and two was four and 1% at one and two. So uh, everyone's pretty high on Doc. There was the, the, the one comment I saw from, we got like 500 comments on this thing too. And one, one of them said like, you know what? I just don't see a star player for him. I see him more of a sod level player. Well, man, Brandon Saad's pretty good. If you get yeah. a if you get a guy who can control the game the way Brandon Saad can, that's the worst case scenario. Then that's a really good draft pick. And I think you could argue that Brandon Saad is a star player. I mean, he's not like a household name. I guess it sort of depends on how you define star. I say he's not a star player in Chicago. He was becoming a star player in Columbus, I would say. But in Chicago, he kind of gets overshadowed. A, a guy capable of changing a game. And I think that's yeah. that he's you could really, say that about really, him. really good at hockey. Yeah. If yeah, if that's worst case scenario with Doc, uh, sign me up. And I, and the thing with him is, Taves in his rookie year, his spectacular moments ended up in the back of the net. Doc's did not this year, and a lot of them were really really close. Some of those dangles he made, and I know early in the season he was doing it way too much and getting checked and knocked down all the time. But as the season went on, he sort of picked his spots and got some really great scoring chances. When he's able to put that all together, he's going to be a force. Because you look at, like, I saw, I, I follow Chris Pronger on Instagram for some reason, and he posted a <laughs> photo of his rookie year, and he's a string bean. And I'm not saying oh, yeah. that Kirby Doc's going to be Chris Pronger sized, but you just look at the rookie photos of any of these Blackhawks, Seabrook or Keith. or Look at anyone. Look at look at a picture of yourself at age 18, any listener out there. What, did you look the way you looked like when you were 30? I mean, it's a completely different. You're not a man yet. Yeah, he's going to be, when he fills out, he's going to be, I don't want to say unstoppable, but there's not a lot of centers like him anymore. Big. Doc's got that. This this is cheesy to say, but you know when, you, when you're around the guys a lot, you pick up on these things. He's got the it factor when you talk to him. You just get that sense. There's this conflict. Like I talk to a lot of 18 and 19 year old hockey players, and they're all kind of like, "I'm just happy to be here." He's like from training camp. Was like, "I'm going to make this team, and I'm going to be, a, I'm going to make a difference for this team." And he wasn't doing it like dickishly. Like he just has this confidence about him. Yoki Haru had that kind of confidence too, where he just knew he was going to be able to step in and be productive and and be able to. He wasn't overwhelmed by it. There's 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 a star factor that comes with that kind of attitude. There's a lot of Taves in him. There's a lot of you know, I don't know if Keith necessarily in him, but Keith and Seabrook have been all over this kid all year. They've been mentoring this guy, and I think that's going to rub off on him in a good way. They're going to they're going to bring out those qualities that he already has and really amplify them. That takes you know, Robin Leonard talked about this a lot when he was here. You know, you have good players, but the great players are the good players with the right mindset, and I think Doc can be one of those guys. The Taves comp is very good. I'm he came in. Uh, Doc came into the studio. Uh, I don't know if it was a day after, a couple days after he was drafted for an interview, and then I was able to talk to him for a few minutes for this. And uh, the maturity beyond his years, he does not come. He looks like a kid, but he does not come off as a kid when you talk to him. And Jonathan Taves was the same exact way. It's Lockdown Blackhawks. Happy Friday! We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And my guest today and yesterday is the Athletics. Mark Lazarus. Next question here was the same question for Adam Boquist. How confident are you that Adam Boquist will become a star player? Uh, the highest result was uh, three out of five. It looks about 47% or so. Yeah, the bar chart kind of looked like a middle finger in the air. It was basically it was pretty well distributed. Uh, <laughs> what, most of the those... responses were three, about 48%, and uh, <laughs> uh, 30 at four, and 7% at five. So people are 
reasonably confident that he'll be a star player, not quite as high that they are as Undock. It's one of those aggressive middle fingers, too, where the uh, it is. index finger and ring finger get involved. That's the best middle finger you can give. <laughs> um, but you know what I'm talking about. I'll, I'll post a picture oh, yeah. of one so people know. Um, but Boquist, to me, I always had to remind myself how defensemen develop slower. And I often think about, and I know you weren't here for this, but Keith and Seabrook, the early years, were an adventure. And <laughs> there weren't a lot of people watching, but there were some doubts about both those guys early in their career. And from what I've seen from Boquist from day one, there's been moments where you're like, whoop, that's not great. But overall, he's looked really, really good. And I think he's played his best hockey when he's been given the tougher situations. Of course, he's partnered with Duncan Keith, which is helpful for anybody. But I think there's a lot of players that would sort of struggle under that. He thrived under that, and that, to me, is what gave me a lot of hope about him going forward. And, and do I think he could be uh, an elite number one defenseman? No, but I do think number one defenseman is is certainly a, a, a place where he can end up. I talked to a few people about him last year, and I was growing increasingly concerned that he was going to be a 100% total bust. There was this sense coming out of London last year that he was all offense – and was just completely incompetent defensively. Not not like bad, not like, oh, Eric Gustafson's frustrating defensively. Like, couldn't barely skate backwards defensively. Like, yes. the, the people were telling, these are people I really respect saying, they don't think in, in London that he can ever be an NHL defenseman, ever. And then he comes in, and that's all he does is play defense. He focused on his defense. He didn't worry about the offense, because he knows he can do the offense eventually. He had to get his feet wet defensively, and he played pretty darn well. He, I was completely surprised by him this year. Very pleasantly so. I think he's going to be a very good defenseman. We know what he can do offensively. We've seen it in preseason games. We've seen it at the lower levels. That stuff translates. That kind of skill translates. The fact that he can play defense and not not only not embarrass himself, but play reasonably well and kind of keep up with the Duncan Keith on your, as, as a partner, that bodes very well because this wasn't – remember, this is important. He wasn't supposed to be in Chicago till next year. Right. He was not supposed to be in Chicago this year. And he still did a pretty darn good job. So that's really encouraging in the long term. When I heard the London stuff, and I heard the same things you did, and it freaked me out as well, um, I think there's a temptation for any athlete as skilled as Adam Boquist is. Like, yeah, you know, I'm probably supposed to be working on my defense, but I can skate circles around this guy and score right now. So I'm, I'm just going to do that. It's just it's sort of a natural sort of a thing to do when you're that much better than everybody to just sort of default to what's easy for you. And I think being here in the NHL is the be was the best thing for him because he had to defend to survive. And and like you said, I had my concerns. I was scared about what we were going to see early on, but very quickly those fears were sort of quelled in me and and I I like what I saw from him defensively. Look, he's not Nick Nick Lidstrom. He's never going to be but can he be a guy that can be your top defenseman if he's got a solid kind of – there's not really any stay-at-home types anymore, but you know what I mean by that. Like a Nicholas Jalmerson type by his side. And I don't know if that's Ian Mitchell. I don't know if the guy's not on the team yet, whatever. But as a top-pairing guy, I see it, and it could be sooner than later. You got you got Boquist, Mitchell, Lucas Carlson, who I was very impressed with when he came up. Yeah. And, and Nick Bodine potentially. Nick Bodan, excuse me. You need at least two of them, preferably three of them, if you're ridiculously fortunate, all four of them to become legitimate 
NHL defenseman, and then you're in very good shape for the long term. Carlson, you mentioned this. Uh, impressive coming up. Just watching him skate, you can see the confidence he has with the puck, and that's something you almost never see from a defenseman making his debut in hockey. But Carlson yeah. just heads up, sort of surveying everything, just total confidence, and that that's something that takes some time to develop typically and to come, you know, quote, out of the box that way. That puts him way ahead of the curve, I think. And now, look, he's not going to be a star by any means, but you're right. If if you can get two or three of these guys in your core to become really good defensemen, suddenly you've got something. And so I like what I saw from Carlson. All right, the last question I have for you, Brent Seabrook, how is this going to end? Never heard of him. <laughs> like, how is this thing going to play out? I, I, There's so many scenarios I could see. I could see him never playing again. I could see him being ready for next season and being – as good or slightly better than he was last year. I could see, I mean, there's just a million possibilities. How do you see this Brent Seabrook thing playing out? I think we need to preface this all by saying he was playing pretty well this year before it all kind of went away. Uh, I, I thought he, he was, he was not the problem in the first half of the season for the Blackhawks. I mean, I understand wanting to get younger guys in, but he was playing pretty well, better than he had the previous couple of years. Uh, I don't freaking know. There's no way of knowing. I know this much. There's no way Brent Seabrook has played his last game. I do not believe that for a second. He's still, what, 34 years old? He's not that old. He's got four years left on this contract, and he is a proud, proud man. He is not going out like this. He is not going to go and sit on a beach like Dave Boland did for three years and just take his paycheck. That's not how it's going to end for him because Boland couldn't play. Brent Seabrook's going to be able to play. Uh May, you know, maybe this is great for him. You know, he got you know, if, if if the surgeries come out well and his hips work again, uh, you know, all of a sudden you gain half a step. That's he's a smart enough player that if he gains half a step, he's going to be fine. Is he ever going to live up to the contract? No, no. It's delusional to think that at this point. But you don't need him to. The contract is what it is. It's there. You need him to be able to play. Uh, he, I, I do expect him to play at some point this season. Maybe it's not right at the start of the season, but frankly, I don't think the season is going to start in October anyway, so it might not matter. I, 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 I have a hard time envisioning him anywhere else. That the contract's never going to be tradable. The one question that comes up in my mind uh, is if, because of the, the the coronavirus situation and the and the flat cap and the plummeting Canadian dollar and the dropping of uh, gas prices, I paid a dollar forty nine for gas yesterday. Uh, that's bad for the NHL salary cap because of all that. If they bring in, if, if, if they negotiate compliance buyouts with the players again, like they did at every lockout and you're the Blackhawks and you have a compliance buyout in your hand, do you say goodbye to your most beloved player in that room? Because it would be the logical thing to do. Like, like you said uh, earlier, you said ruthless. You want ruthlessness. That's the root. That's the Belichickian move. Yeah. would be to say, Brent, we love you. Here's a lot of money. Go away. If the NHL allows that, if they can get out of the recapture penalties, I think they would have to consider that just to be realistic. Uh, but I see that that's the only way I see. And there's been no indication that's going to happen, that there will be compliance buyouts. That's that's me just talking out of my ass here. But that's the only way I see Brent Seabrook not playing out, if not all this contract and the majority of it with the Blackhawks. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. And we've been talking about the speculation of a compliance buyout too. But see, you got to wonder, even if the Hawks do that, is he going to go sign somewhere else or would they just move him into an ambassador role or a coaching role or something like that? I just, I, I don't see him in another organization. 
That's the thing, and and I I I, do I don't see him going out like this. I'm telling you, he's, yeah, the, I he, agree. He has not played his last NHL game. I think what you said is the most likely scenario is he comes back, hopefully this time off and these surgeries that are probably long overdue, get him back to at least where he was when he stopped playing, and maybe a step better, for at least a year or two, and you can probably live with that. Yes, the contract sucks. Yes, it's probably gonna it's probably gonna cost you a couple guys you like. And, you know, maybe you have to buy out Olimata or whatever to make Kubelik and Strom fit. But I think most people would make that sacrifice, right? Um, the only other question is, what do you do in goal? And you mentioned the numbers for what you think Dylan Strom would get. If Corey Crawford's going to come back here, A, would he sign a one-year deal? And B, yes or no, but what would the what would the AAV be on a Crawford deal, do you think? Even if it's one I've been or two thinking, years. I've been, I've been saying two years, $4 million a year. I think that's reasonable. It's fair. It's not insulting to him, but it is probably less than he'd get on the open market with his pedigree and coming off a great season. He does not want to go anywhere. He has been with the Blackhawks as long as Keith and Seabrook have. It took him longer to get to the big club, but he's been in the organization forever. Every time I talked to him this year, he made it very clear that he wants to stay in Chicago. Uh, I think that he will do what it takes to stay. And I think $4 million is fair and manageable. But again, this the, the, these were all ideas I had before you right. know, the yeah. world ended. So I don't know what the what the long term result's going to be. Yeah, it's boy, it's tough to see, and and you gotta wonder too the future of Brandon Sod because that really nice player we talked about him earlier and how effective he can be, but if you need to clear money and a lot of it to bring some guys back, that six million is very helpful to get rid of. So. I don't know. It's gonna be really. You don't get better trading Brandon Saad either, though. So I don't know what you. I do. know you don't, but I I think at some point you've got to. I mean, how are you going to bring all these guys back if it's Crawford at four and it's you know Strom at three and a half and Kubelik at three and a half? You, that and and if Seabrook's playing, that money's got to come from somewhere. So you got to buy out Madi. You've got to do something with Strom or with Saad, and then maybe you sign somebody. But I I don't know. It, I do not envy Stan Bowman's role right now because it's tough. Because they're clearly not going to do a full rebuild. That's not in the cards at all. Um, not even possible. And best case scenario is they return next year with the same roster they went into this offseason with. Right? Yeah. Like, they're not going to be able to really add anybody. So, anyway, Mark, I've taken enough of your time. Thank hang you so on. Much. Hang on. I, oh, I have oh. one, one last question for you. All right. Yep. Repeatedly throughout this. You have said the word we as in we've been talking about this. Now, I'm not a radio professional. I t- yeah. Are you using the royal we there? Or are you just, you, what's I, going on there? I struggle with this. I don't know why I have trouble referring to myself on my podcast as <laughs> I. So I think I what I do is I talk to the audience. And when I say we have talked about, I mean, I have talked to you about this. And some <laughs> of you have responded. Therefore, we have talked about this. I, I don't okay, know. That's I literally talked about this on the last podcast I did when I say we are a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's just me. I, I literally, <laughs> it's a one-man show. I host it. I produce it. I edit it. I promote it. All that stuff. It's just me. But I have trouble saying me and I. I, I don't know why. You're in, good, you're in good company. Scotty Burnside, who, of course, writes for The <laughs> Athletic also, one of the all-time greats, he, he uses the royal we in all of his columns, and it cracks me up every time. So I, you're in good company. I, I don't know. I I don't like saying I, I don't know what it is about that. I, part of it too is that I do two other podcasts with other people. So the habit is to say we, but I really, I am uncomfortable <laughs> when I say I am this. Ugh. 
I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it, Mark. Do you think that's possible? Yeah, you're, dude. You're you are you are in the most <laughs> me 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 business of all businesses. You got to get over that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm only 18 years into it, so any day now, any day now. <laughs> all right, I've taken an hour of your time uh, over the last two days. <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Stay safe. Uh, I know you're staying home. I know you're doing all the right things because you, like me, are uh, are an insufferable liberal. Uh, so thanks for doing your part, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Good luck with everything on The Athletic. Right. Check out the poll, the fan uh, the fan survey on The Athletic, and buy Mark's book. Mark, give the book a plug one time for me. Oh, God, everybody knows has heard me before. Uh, if these walls could talk Chicago Blackhawks, go buy it. It's good. I love it. It's very good. Uh, so, Mark, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. All right. Stay safe. That was Mark Lazarus, columnist at The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter, at Mark Lazarus. Go subscribe to The Athletic. Support journalism. They are an awesome, awesome resource for sports fans, especially Hawks fans. They've got a ton of Blackhawks coverage. The Hawks are not second-rate citizens at The Athletic. They get as much coverage as the other teams, and Scott Powers and Mark Lazarus are the two best on the beat, in my humble opinion. So give them a couple bucks a month. Sacrifice a cup of coffee for some great, great ad-free sports coverage. With that, it's going to wrap it up for this week of Lockdown Blackhawks. We've gotten through another week of this quarantine situation. Hopefully Lockdown Blackhawks has helped a little bit to make things feel normal, to make things feel like uh, an average ordinary day, if if at least for just a half hour a day. I appreciate you taking out the time uh, from your day to listen to this podcast, especially with no hockey going on. I greatly appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Now that this podcast is over, ask your smart speaker to listen to the latest episode of Locked On NHL. My name is Jay Zawoski. We will talk to you on Tuesday. Talk Back Tuesday here on Locked On Blackhawks. Get those questions in. Lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com. We'll talk to you next week.